So today I'm going to talk a little bit about supernatural Christianity. Everybody says supernatural Christianity. And I feel like I'm going to talk about it again next Sunday. Just get you warmed up a little bit today. Now actually supernatural Christianity is really just normal Christianity. That's what it is. It's just normal. It's what God expects his church to be. And you know, it's a strange thing in the world at large. There is a fascination with uh, the paranormal, the supernatural. And yet in the church, sometimes among some groups, they're almost embarrassed about the supernatural aspect of the gospel. And there's a way to discredit the supernatural. And sometimes there's a reason why that has happened. But I think uh, we're going to be reminded today that the Apostle Paul made it very clear that he didn't want people's faith, he didn't want their belief to be established in man's wisdom, or he didn't want them to be Christians because they had heard persuasive words merely. It sounded logical and fine, but he wanted them to see demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. He wanted them to see the power of God uh, uh, there. And so the question today for us is, um, you know, is God supernaturally active today? Is God supernaturally active in his church? Is God supernaturally active in your life? And, uh, and we need to be aware of that because that is the very nature of our Christian faith. And so I'm going to start with Jesus Christ himself. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, an astounding statement. Men of Israel, listen to this. And men of Toronto, women of Toronto, listen to this. Women of, men of Canada. Jesus of Nazareth was a man. We say, oh, he was God. Yes, Jesus is the Son of Man and the Son of God. But now he's talking about Jesus in his humanity. He was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. Amazing expression. Jesus was accredited by supernatural happenings. And, 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 and the word accredited means he was validated. He was proven genu genuine. He had like the certificate. We, we, today we have a piece of paper. You know, an electrician may have a, a piece of paper that says he's licensed. It means he's accredited. He's uh, considered to be a, a bona fide electrician. If you go to a lawyer's office, they will probably have a, some certificate on the wall uh, when they were admitted to the bar and, and, and so on, maybe the graduating class of the law school, and that is to give the idea that they are accredited. They are not just some guy who opened up shop. And, you know, uh, we are not big on titles. For example, uh, for years I never used any titles. I still don't do for myself. I don't use my own titles except when I'm trying to impress a politician. Because how many know politicians are pretty carnal? I know we prayed for them earlier. Uh, for wisdom for them, I pray some of them get wisdom to resign. But anyhow, that's for another matter to discuss, uh, uh, you know, but for wisdom, whatever. And... Uh, you know, so sometimes I use my titles in that. But, but, you know, just for carnal people, it's good. I can say, well, I have a doctorate of theology. 
and, and I actually, because nobody believes, I, I have it hanging on the wall over here so that, you know, you'll say, okay, he's just not a guy who, who, who blew into town. He's, he's, uh, it doesn't really mean much. Frankly, if you're sick and need healing, whether I have a doctorate or a reverend or archbishop, the main thing for you is that you get healed. Is that right? You're not worried about any of that. But I'm saying the word accredited here, this is how we use that word. And here it says Jesus was proven genuine. He was validated by signs, wonders, and miracles. I mean, you could say, well, Jesus, he's the son of God. Jesus was born of a virgin. I wasn't, you would say. I mean, if anybody was born of a virgin, wouldn't that be enough validation? And on, to top it off, you had wise men coming with expensive gifts at your birth and a choir of angels singing, glory to God in the highest. I mean, Jesus had some validation. And I suppose they could have just talked about that and made a lot of noise about that. He was wise. He increased in wisdom and knowledge. But with all that, Jesus needed miracles. Your miracle is the word dunamis, which means power, powerful acts. He, he had wonders. Wonders is something that alerts you. It captures your imagination. It causes you to wonder what's going on. He had signs. Things happen, you know, a sign points in a certain direction. A sign gives evidence. So if Jesus needed that, let me ask you today, in our society, in our world that is so many times much larger, do we need miracles today? Or are we better than Jesus do we have a better church program than Jesus? We say, well, you know, Jesus didn't have Starbucks, but we got Starbucks. Well, congratulations for that. <laughs> well, you know, Jesus didn't have this and that, and we have that. But Jesus had signs, wonders, and miracles. And I'm saying we are no better than Jesus. We are, you're not greater than Jesus. I'm not greater than Jesus. So I say to my cessationist friends who say that miracles have ceased, are you so great? Are you so persuasive? Are you so wonderful in your church that you don't need what Jesus himself needed and what the apostle Paul said? said, I, I didn't want to come to you with merely persuasive words, but with demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. And you know, Jesus only saw miracles after he had been filled with the Holy Spirit. I know there's kind of little stories that Jesus was, when he was a little kid, was playing with a, some clay and he made a dove and the dove came alive. And I, I don't believe all that. That's kind of funny stories people make up. No, in the scripture, it's clear that Jesus Christ had miracles after the Holy Spirit had come upon him. It says he was anointed by the Holy Spirit and went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. But it wasn't to end with Jesus. It's to continue with us because the works that I do, Jesus said, you shall do also. Everybody say, that's me. And greater works. Say that, greater works. Because I go to the Father, Jesus said. So, so if through the hands of Jesus wonders were made, look at your hands and say, these hands, these hands will experience the resurrection power of God. And, and, and so some people sometimes say that, you know, 
miracles and signs and wonders. That's like a side issue. Well, I would say it's foundational. It's not the only thing that's important. But I would say, based on Scripture, that supernatural happenings are foundational. Let me read to you from the book of Hebrews. The Hebrew people here, they were wavering a little bit in their faith. They were under attack and persecution. And here is what it says. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation, which was first announced by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So the people here, the Hebrew believers, because of the pressure they experienced, some of them are questioning, should we give up our faith? Maybe Jesus isn't the Messiah. So he says here, why should you believe in Jesus? And you know, that's a good question that's applicable in, our, in Canada today. Many people are saying, why should I believe in God? Why should I believe in Jesus? Maybe you have friends and family members who say, well, why should I believe in Jesus? You may say to someone, you need Jesus in your life. And they say, no, I don't. I'm fine. Thank you very much. And so here's, a, here, here's an answer. It says here, first of all, Jesus himself, he announced it. He announced the gospel about this salvation. Then it was confirmed by eyewitnesses. So what we have in the record here is what the eyewitnesses recorded. So that's good, but we cannot go back in time to verify that. But the third, or we can verify it historically, but we cannot personally go back in time. But he says, there's a third reason why we should believe. Because God confirms his uh, word and testifies to the reality of Jesus by signs, wonders, and miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not an aberration. It's not like, well, you know, there's some Christians, they, they believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They're kind of a weird group of people. Uh, well, may, maybe somebody was weird, but that doesn't mean you have to become weird. No, speaking in tongues is normal Christianity. They spoke in other tongues. They had words of wisdom, word of knowledge. Sometimes they didn't know how to solve a situation. And God worked with them, helping them, giving them a word that would solve the situation. Discerning of spirits, understanding when there was something beneath the surface that you couldn't see to help them not get into business with the wrong person, to not associate with, with things that would bring them hurt and pain. Uh, these are, these are, this is normal Christianity. This is not for some uh, 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 you know, special people. This is for you. This is for where you are. The God of the universe revealed through Jesus Christ wants to work through you. Uh, now, now, prophecy is to exhort and edify and comfort Again, it's speaking words into a situation where somebody is lifted and their burdens roll away. And it's almost like you say, I don't know where the words came from. Uh, but, but they touch that person's heart. You know, I understand in the, the reason uh, sometimes this topic of supernatural Christianity has got a bad rap is because there's so much abuse of it. You know, I was exposed recently to some supposedly prophetic ministry and all they were telling people was Facebook trivia. 
you know, face, I call it Facebook trivia prophecies. I can go on your Facebook and I see, so I see, I see your, your son playing a trumpet. And then I said, oh, I see a trumpet in your family. And you go, oh, how did you know that, Pastor Peter? Well, I don't tell you I was on your Facebook site. But, oh, I see a trumpet. And, and, and your house is going to blow like a trumpet. And, and, you, and you get all of you. You know, this is trivia. If you have a trumpet in your home, you don't need a prophet to tell you. It's like saying, you live on Main Street 37. Well, I already knew that. How's that helping me? How's that helping me? Oh, you were married on July 31st. Yeah, it's on my Facebook. I mean, does that, do those kind of prophecies help you? It doesn't help you. It's just, it's just titillating. It's like a psychic reading. You go like, ooh, oh, ooh, they know. So that's not what I'm talking about. And I just lay it out there. Some of you say, what is he talking about? I never heard of such a thing. Good for you. Keep it that way. Don't, don't pursue that. But somebody may have heard of something like this. And so I'm saying, that's not what I'm talking about in supernatural Christianity. I am talking about the supernatural power of God manifesting in a way that helps people. See, see, miracles are not optional or some aberration. They are foundational, yes. I'm not saying that miracles, signs, and wonders are everything. We need the fruit of the Spirit. That is the personality of Jesus in us. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. But we also need the power of Jesus, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in us. And I tell you that the way our faith is, is unique. I put this on the PowerPoint. I hope they got it. I said, ours... And I didn't get this. This is a Peter Youngring quote, so don't, you know. Uh, Ours is the only faith where the originer, originator has promised to participate in the recruitment of each new member. Leave it up there. It just came to me. I wanted to summarize this. Ours is the only faith. I'm not against any other religion, but I said ours is the only one where the originator, and his name is Jesus Christ, has promised to participate in the recruitment of each new member. Now, I say with all due respect for all the world religions, and you could mention some of the founders, none of them ever said, I'm going to show myself to you. None of them ever said, I'll bear witness with you that you belong to me in your heart. All they ever said was, go and teach these principles and gain recruits and have them practice these principles. But Jesus says, I will manifest myself to you. It says that the Spirit of God will bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. There's something inside of you that goes, uh-huh. Uh, everybody say, uh-huh. There's something there, even in your darkest moment when you feel like I blew it. And how can I be a Christian? And I don't know, I could have done better. But then you just begin to say, oh, Jesus, help me. And there is something, uh-huh. Say it again, uh-huh. Something there says, you are a child of God. 
That, that, that's, that's our faith. It's supernatural. It's not merely an allegiance to rules and ceremonies uh, and bowing down and having certain holidays and weekends where we celebrate this and celebrate that. No, Jesus Christ himself says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I, I, I will participate. I will send my spirit to work with you. Oh, come on. Now, I want to make this clear to you. Something happened to me this morning. I was walking into my little office here, and uh, I usually work mostly from my home, but, you know, I have a, and there's a slot there, and people can put things, and somebody, usually all the prayer requests, they go to our people who are praying for them and so on and so forth, but this prayer request that was from the United States uh, was put in my slot. And I said, I'm going to read this. And just to clarify what I mean with supernatural Christianity, this is what I received this morning. Here's a prayer request. This is not representative of what we're talking about. But here's somebody saying, asking me to pray. And he says that God would sponsor me and give me millions of dollars in Jesus' name. God will give me millions of members, partners, associates, followers, and people from all over the world will support and sponsor me financially. God will provide me with my own executive and flamboyant home, houses, buildings, auditoriums, vehicles, buses, equipments, computers, laptops. God will heal my marriage. God will expunge my court record uh, out of the district court of such and such a place. And God will give me U.S. citizenship. And, and God will give me 100% good credit rating. God will give me shoes and clothes and iPads and computers and trousers and shirts and suits and a brand new car. And God will remove all bad reports about me and give me good health and I will have a great life. Now, I, you see, now obviously some preacher told people that that's supernatural Christianity. Now, all the, what the thing, what the man here wants, nothing bad in it per se, but this is not how the Holy Spirit works. This is not supernatural Christianity, abracadabra, court records expunged, you know. They took my thumbprint at the police station. I got a new one, hallelujah. It just erased the old one. I got a brand new fingerprint here, and, and millions of dollars just ended up in my, in my trunk, and, you know, supernaturally, uh, this, uh, I'm just uh, restored to my wife. And, uh, you know, no, here's how it works. The Holy Spirit participates with you. So if you are, this man sounds like he's in a mess. It is a man. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> he is in a mess. And, and the point is, yes, God wants to work with him. But maybe he needs to learn some things. Maybe he needs to learn some principles. Maybe there was a reason why he has such a bad record in the court. And somehow believing that an angel is going to come and expunge the record and steal the files. You know, that's what happened in the movie. Somebody goes into the courthouse and goes in there in the, in the dark of the night and take the file folder. You maybe have seen that in the movies. That is not supernatural Christianity. But I can tell you this, no matter what trouble you got yourself into, because generally... When we are in trouble, not always, but very often, we got ourselves into trouble. Oh, that went over great. I see how you just said. Generally, when we're in trouble, not always. There are, some, there are quite a few exceptions. 
But very often, I should say, we got ourselves into trouble. And we may not know how to get ourselves out of trouble. But God is a supernatural God, and the Holy Spirit will help you even supernaturally. But we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So it might mean that we are led by God's Spirit to ask forgiveness, to make restitution, to say, God, I, I'm going to ask you to prosper me so that I can pay back what I took. I can, I can be a different person. And God, you are with me. You never leave me. You never forsake me. That's what I'm talking about. God is a supernatural God. Amen. So, so be encouraged. But I I don't know what to do with this prayer request. I just got it. But you see how you, hopefully that doesn't describe how you think that it's just like God is an ATM machine. You put in a Bible verse and out comes all the cash, you know. No, God wants to bless you. He wants to help you. And he works with you. You're not alone. And so I, I said supernatural Christianity is foundational. We believe God intervenes in people's lives. I'm so glad Wherever I go in the world, God shows up. He is there. He gives witness to the people. I think Nathan reported here when I was in Africa, the very first healing, the very first night in the stadium there in Dar es Salaam was a Muslim woman who had been deaf for 17 years, totally deaf. And that was great. Uh, she was, could hear everything, perfect hearing. But you know, what really gave me a kick was when her husband ran out of the crowd up on the platform and he was literally shouting I didn't believe it could ever happen I don't believe it ever. and he was laughing and crying at the same time you see that's that that's God at work not only healing her but showing the husband that Jesus Christ is real that what we have is not just words we have demonstrations of the spirit amen I, I gotta wake one other point here that supernatural happenings are by God's grace. Acts 4, 33. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now, you know, some people say that we preach a message of grace. I, I don't like that expression because I don't look at grace as a doctrine. People say, well, what do you preach? We preach Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our message. It says, it says the law, the law of Moses, the, the, the religious prescription was given through Moses. But it says grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So the one was given. There's a passive tense. It was given. As if I give you a gift and you say it was given to me by Peter. But Grace and truth came. See, a gift doesn't just come walking on its own two feet normally. It's in a box. It's wrapped up. It's a package. It could be tablets of stone. But Jesus didn't come as a, on tablets of stone. He came as a person. And grace and truth are not opposite ends of the same thing. They are the same. The truth is that Jesus Christ totally identified with the human situation. It was an inside job. 
Salvation is not an outside job. It's not streaming down from heaven. It's an inside job. God came inside the human race. He came inside humankind. And there he triumphed over sin, over death, over hell, over demons, and won an everlasting victory for you. That's the fact. That's the truth. And from that truth, grace, unmerited favor is flowing towards you. Oh, be happy about that. But sometimes we forget this. Like the Galatian church, relatively new believers, actually forgot this. And Paul had to ask them, Galatians 3, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Very simple question that we need to be Maybe asking again and again, how does God work miracles? Does he do it by the works of the religious rules, the law? Or does he do it by the hearing of faith? What is the hearing of faith? It is hearing about Jesus Christ and about his victory and that his victory is ours by faith. Not by our works, not by our efforts. And you hear that in different ways, in principles and in stories and in illustrations from Scripture. You keep hearing again and again, the price has been paid. Jesus did for you what you could not do for yourself. When you couldn't pull yourself up by the bootstraps, He has made a new and living way for you. Receive His life. Christ is your righteousness. You hear that. And the answer here is, that's how God worked miracles. That's how God gave the Spirit, is when you heard this. Think about it yourself. When you received Christ, did you receive Christ because you had been fasting? Or because you memorized a few chapters in the Bible? Isn't it true that you received Christ, the greatest miracle in the world of new life? You received it just as you are. You may have come there with all kinds of darkness and guilt and pain, but you say, I just, I just surrender it to Jesus. I just say, Jesus, I give it to you. And he saved you, not by any merit. It's the same way that you receive every other blessing. You receive it by faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And, and so you can go ahead and clap if you want to clap. Otherwise, I'm going to go on here. And let me just mention a couple of the miracles in the Bible. You see, the Bible is very consistent. If we talk about the big landmark miracles, for example, uh, when Abraham and Sarah finally had Isaac, you know, that's like a, that's a big one. That's like a grandpa of miracles. Abraham and Sarah had been promised a child, but no child came. They even try to make one come, you know, and Sarah gave her approval for Abraham to have a sexual relationship with the maid servant Hagar, and, and we don't go into that, and, and that, but that wasn't what God had said. And so finally, when both Sarah and Abraham were so old, they were so old that there was no way they would ever have babies. How many know that's old? <laughs> then God did it. He did it so that Abraham couldn't say, well, you know, maybe we were just successful for this one time. No, it was gone. Abraham, it says about him, his body was dead. Sarah's body was dead. But God took that which was absolutely hopeless, 
so that we would know it was by God's grace. And you know, it, it, can, can I just throw this in for whatever it's worth? How many ever read the Bible? Don't, don't lift your hand, but some people don't read the Bible. They just go to church, and they want the preacher to read the Bible for you. So aren't you glad that I did? I hope you're reading it yourself, but if you don't, I read it for you. The amazing thing, after Isaac was born, it wasn't just a one-time thing. You know that they had more kids after that. Abraham had six more sons after that. So whatever he got at 99, it worked. That's all I'm going to say. And then eventually Sarah died. That was like about 40 years later, give or take, 30, 35 years later. And then he got married again, and they had more kids. I don't even want to get into it. But I'm just saying to you, at that point, he, his body was dead. Her body was dead. It was hopeless. Why? So that everybody would know this was a miracle of God. God did it. God did it. See, sometimes we think when we are strong and mighty, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this. You know, even Jacob famously, Abraham's grandson, he wrestled with God, and he received blessing from God. But it's a very strange story. I don't even purport to explain it. It says that he was smote in the hips, so suddenly he's like, he's like limping a little bit. In other words, maybe he was so strong and mighty, God bless me, I'm not going to let go. And then, boom, he got hit. And then he received it. You know, it seems in the parables that, that God is not so attracted to the high and mighty. You know, it seems like if you say, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get my miracle. I'm going to get my healing. I'm going to do this. God said, well, go ahead. Let me watch. I'm going to break through. God said, it's okay. be interesting to watch. And then you try so hard until you run your head up against a cement wall. And then at that moment, you say, oh, nothing works. I don't believe this. All oh, this talking about faith and Jesus. Oh, it's just a bunch of hullabaloo. It doesn't, you could take that action, or you could just say, I give up. I can't do it. And then God says, I'm glad you noticed. Now maybe I can do something for you. Maybe you can watch me work in your life. Not that God wants you to run your head up against a cement wall, but some people are a little thick-headed. Look at your neighbor. No, don't look at your neighbor. I'll take that back. They're a little thick-headed. And so, 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 you see, when you say, oh, God, God, I need you. I found that myself. Some of the greatest miracles I have seen was not at a time when I felt like, oh, I've had all the time in the world to pray and read the Scripture. It was more like, God, I just, time flew away. I feel that my mind is scattered. Oh, Jesus, I just throw myself on your mercy, and boom, it happened. It's almost like, you know, when, when you're going to rescue, if you ever rescued someone who was drowning, you know, if they're very strong and kicking, it's very hard to rescue a drowning person. They may knock you out. You may lose your consciousness. It's much easier to rescue someone who is weak, who is just limp, and you just kind of take them and drag them to shore. And sometimes, you see, in our Christian life, it's like that. If we think, I can do it, I can do it, and then, then nothing happens. Because if we did it, and if it did happen, you would get all the praise. But it's not of ourselves. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast. Sometimes, you see, you try to earn God's blessing, and it's like you can't receive it. But when you just call on his mercy, God can't help but giving it to you. Come on, somebody give praise to God. So I'm saying today that, that miracles, uh, you, you see, come by God's grace, and this goes against the grain of much Christian teaching. 
For example, among our Roman Catholic friends, they have a, a system that someone can be declared a saint, a saint. And to be declared a saint, there has to be some miracle associated with you even when you were, even after you're dead, if somebody goes maybe to your grave and says, you know, I was healed of something when I was there, then they might consider that and it's kind of investigated. Don't look at me like that, like you don't know what I'm talking about. St. Lawrence, we live on Lawrence Avenue. It's probably St. Lawrence is some guy. I don't know what he did, but, you know, he's declared a saint. And uh, so, but the, the idea is miracles happen to very special people only. Don't get your hopes up. You getting the message? Now, in the Protestant evangelical Pentecostal tradition, we don't have saints, but we have something very similar. We have endless teachings about how to get more anointing. And they make it so difficult so that the end result is that if you ever got to be that person who had some anointing, you must be very special. We don't call you a saint officially, but we say, oh, they have a special. Oh, she has a special anointing. And it means don't think that I'm included. I'm just your regular believer. So we make it so hard to attain, whether you come from the Roman Catholic background or Protestant, we're kind of in the same boat there. We make it so difficult. And I'm saying to you today, miracles are by God's grace. God, miracles are God's unmerited favor to you. L -l -l Let me read one case here, just so that'll be my final Bible reading. Uh, uh, about the outpouring of God's Spirit, Acts chapter 10 in the house of Cornelius. It says there, the word which God sent, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he's Lord of all. That word you know, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So here in the middle of the sermon, uh, Simon Peter is beginning to talk about healing and being set free from oppression by the devil. Do you see that right there? You see that? Now, we would have thought, that would be the time when the miracles happened. Because we have this idea, if we talk about signs, wonders, miracles, and healing, they will happen. So here he's talking about it. Put the verse back up there. How God anointed Jesus, but there's nothing supernatural happening there as far as there's no outpouring of the Spirit. But then let's keep reading the same sermon. It says, uh, verse 39, the next verse, we are witnesses on these things which he did whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. So when did the Holy Spirit, leave the verse up there, when did the Holy Spirit fall? Because the meeting was interrupted. Something miraculous happened. When Simon Peter was talking about the remission of sins, about the redemption of Jesus Christ. I keep telling all those who I train up in ministry, we don't preach miracles, we preach Christ. And miracles follow the proclamation of Christ. 
You know, I said, don't just preach healing, 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 and then you think healings are going to happen. And, and you know, God is good. You can, you can be a braying donkey and God can do something good afterwards. But I'm saying the general, the general modus operandi is focus on the remission of sins. He was speaking of the remission of sin. And whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. And when he was talking on that topic, the Holy Spirit said, that's enough. Maybe Simon Peter had more points to his sermon. I don't know. But the Holy Spirit said, that's enough, Simon. And the Holy Spirit fell. It's like a bear hug. Anybody ready for a bear hug of the Holy Spirit today? You're ready to get a bear hug? The Holy Spirit fell on them. So, so that's why I make it very important. We, 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 we're not a signs and wonders church. We are a Jesus Christ church. We, we, you see, we don't preach a healing gospel. We preach Jesus Christ. There is no healing gospel. There is no prosperity gospel. I don't know. These are not. There is only a gospel. It is about what Jesus Christ did. And yes, a consequence of that gospel is that people are healed. Another consequence is that people can believe God and trust what he said and prosper and be helped in every area of life. But there is no healing gospel or prosperity gospel. There is only the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. And there's all kinds of benefits as we apply the gospel. All kinds of benefits. But the gospel is what Christ has done for us. So that's why I like to, let me just uh, exhort you for two more minutes. I want to say to you, first of all, your sins are forgiven. Your sins have been remitted. Just like the man who came down, the lame man on the bed came down the, through the roof, Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven. When were your sins forgiven? Before you were born, before you had ever sinned. God knew you were coming. And so God took your sins, the sins of the world, upon himself. All the sins from the Garden of Eden to Young Street, Toronto, he took it all. And Jesus absorbed our sin. He conquered sin. You are forgiven. Oh, get happy. Rejoice. You are forgiven. That's wonderful. But there's more. You're not just forgiven because you could be forgiven and still be a stranger. You are accepted. You are included. You belong. If all the world says to you you don't belong, if society says you don't belong, it's a lie. You belong. You are accepted in the beloved Jesus Christ. But there's more. You're not just forgiven. You're not just accepted because you could be accepted, but you're still like a visitor. You say, you can come to our house for dinner, but you still don't really belong to that house. You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Oh, you, you, you are, if Jesus is accepted and an inheritor of the kingdom of God, so are you. So are you. See, when we start talking like this, people's minds going like, ah, you want to know you, you, what I'm going through right now? I don't know how this can relate to what I'm going through right now. I am not trying to describe what you're going through because you already know it so well. I'm trying to describe the remedy for what you're going through. See yourself as an inheritor with Jesus Christ. See yourself beloved. You say, well, I, I wanted healing. I need healing in my body. Stop thinking about the healing right now. Start praising God that you are accepted. You have an inheritance. And what might happen is that you almost get healed by accident. I got sick by accident. Well, you can get healed by accident. Some people, they come to service and they're thinking, healing, healing, healing. They're just healing, healing. I got to be healed. I got to be healed. I got to be healed. Oh, you can't talk about anything else. 
But if such people, sometimes I've noticed, they get caught up in the Lord Jesus Christ. I had a dear lady like that. She had cancer. And, and, and you know, I, have, I understand. It's very serious. It's very frightening. She was actually healed of cancer, supernaturally, confirmed by doctors. But for several years, anybody in the church who met her, all she could talk about was cancer. And I tell you, if she was prayed for a thousand times, it, it's not an exaggeration. And any guest preacher, any preacher, myself, whoever, we all prayed for her. And all we could talk about was cancer. And then a few months went by, and she never said a word. And then she came and said, I got a clean bill of health. I said, what happened? She said, I gave up. I gave up. I had everybody on their dog pray for me. I just said, Jesus, I'm yours. Whatever, I'm in your hand. I'm your child. She said, I got healed. After I gave up seeking my healing, I got healed. I said, well, isn't that marvelous? Maybe that's what I've been preaching, but you didn't want to hear it while I preached it. But finally, she experienced. You know, sometimes when you preach, people don't want to hear that. They would say, well, I, I want what I want now. You know, like, uh, no. So I said, sometimes I think the key for me is the more I can get people off of their problem, their eyes away from their problem, and see the greatness of Jesus and their acceptance and how good God is, that their sins are forgiven. That's where miracles happen. Oh, praise God. Let's give the Lord a big hand.